Spectral technique. Special technique of shadow boxing. Boxing analyst for the Cold Hard Truth on Sports. Also write articles for other publications as such as Into Boxing and others. And you can follow the Boxing Source on social media through Facebook, the Boxing Source, Twitter at Boxing Source Two, Instagram at the Boxing Source, and Google Plus on the Boxing Source. Number to dial in. The talk boxing is 347-237-5539. Once again, that is 347-237-5539. Press the one key to get on cue, and you'll be able to talk live on the show. Um, we have a few things that uh, we are going to be talking about over the course of the show. Um and, you know, specifically uh, what has uh, went down in the boxing scene uh, so, uh, over the course of the weekend. Uh, so we're going to be uh, getting to, into that in depth in this episode. Uh, we have pretty much like a one-hour show planned live. <clears throat> so you'll be able to you know, discuss uh, what's going down uh, live uh, here on the Boxing Source. Uh, just, uh, you know, trying to get in a few things, uh, handle a few things, get a few things out of the way uh, before we get uh, started. Uh, just, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, if you're um, listening to this uh, right now, um, that you want to have. Uh, people join in on the show, uh, listening live uh, here <clears throat> currently. Uh, that would be on Blog Talk Radio or in uh, on Acre.fm or uh, Spotify or through iTunes um, or through Google Podcasts, among others. Uh, that once this uh, show is done, they'll be available on those different platforms. Uh, so. Be sure to like, you know, let people know, uh, spread the boxing source movement, and uh, keep, you know, the talk about boxing going, you know, not just here but everywhere. Um, of course, uh, you had a 
couple of cards that took place on Saturday. Uh, I'm sure that uh, y'all caught uh, what happened over at uh, Windsor Park, uh, which was you know televised on BT Sport over in the UK and through Showtime's Facebook page uh, online. Um, so, of course, it, the uh, fight card was held at Windsor Park over in uh, Belfast, uh, <clears throat> where the talk had been, of course, about the co-feature instead of the main event. Uh, Frank Warren, lead uh, promoter, lead guy of Queensbury Promotions, uh, put this fight card together. Um, <clears throat> and uh, you had in the co-feature uh, heavyweight bout, you know, with the former IBF, IBO, WBA super champion and WBO champion Tyson Fury going up against Francisco uh, Pianetta. And this was a 10-round bout. Um, and it was, you know, kind of like fairly anticipated uh, by a few uh, people. But um, my thing about this whole, uh, the, the actual fight um, and how it came about, um, of course, you had Tyson Fury, who had an extended layoff from November, uh, pretty much around Thanksgiving weekend, uh, in this case, uh, November uh, 2015, up until June of 2018, uh, where he ended up facing Zephyr Safari uh, in his return bout. Uh, he was able to uh, win that bout by stoppage um, and you know folks uh, felt that you know that belt was a quote unquote exhibition match uh, between those two and so you know folks were trying to see okay you had this fight against the cruiserweight because yes that's what uh, Safari was was a cruiserweight um, and you know, next up was trying to see who he would end up fighting next. Uh, so, of course, there was uh, talk about him fighting, you know, a, a, a person of note, uh, a veteran heavyweight, a former world champion, um, and that was uh, Shannon Briggs. Uh, but, you know, now... Um, we, you know, they eventually found out that um, Frank Warren and Tyson Fury uh, put together a fight between him and Francisco Pianetta. Uh, so, of course, he had a lot of feedback once that fight was announced about, you know, Fury fighting Pianetta and people looking into who Francisco Pianetta was. Of course, he was there in the heavyweight division. Uh, so you did have one 
kind of minor step up in reference to that in that instead of fighting a uh, cruiserweight, he actually fought a heavyweight in this matchup. Uh, but, you know, Francisco Pineda, uh there, he had, you know, 35 wins in his career, coming in there, four losses. Um, his high point uh, was, you know, coming up in the ranks at heavyweight, um, having an undefeated run, you know, up until 2012 and such, and that landed him a bout with Vladimir Klitschko in 2013 uh, for the IBF, IBO, WBA, and WBO Heavyweight Championships. And he ended up getting uh, stopped in that bout within uh, six rounds where he only threw 16 jabs, according to CompuBox, in landing of those jabs that whole fight. So that was pretty much the uh, pinnacle of his career, so to speak, until uh, getting back into the ring after that, uh, winning a minor heavyweight championship over in Europe, then facing uh, Ruslan Chagaev for the WBA regular championship in 2015 and losing by knockout. So there's that. And, you know, continuing to um, be there in the heavyweight division, facing guys that had records of 3-2, and 6-2, and 1-0 and over in Germany, and in 2018, facing the guy that was 1-0, and then facing the guy that was 11-0, and ended up losing by unanimous decision to him before getting this fight with Tyson Fury. So there you have Tyson Fury, 26-0. and 0. Of course, coming off his extended layoff against Episode Fury, Cruiserweight, and we were trying to see what the uh, status was of Tyson Fury from his last fight to this fight. Of course, first off was his weight. Of course, people were watching where his weight was. Um, He weighed in at 258 pounds, uh, which was lighter than, almost 20 pounds lighter than his previous fight against Deficit Ferry, uh, where he was 276 pounds. And uh, for those that followed Tyson Fury after uh, winning the Unified Championships over Vlad McClisco, he gained a lot of weight drank a lot of booze, some drugs, and eventually stepped out of the ring and gave up all the belts that he had. So first things first, he had to get rid of all that weight that he had in order to come back in the first place, and he was able to at least get to 276 pounds against Sephora Safari. Now he came in at 258 pounds. And with that, he went into this fight against Pineda and... Of course, uh, for those that, you know, kind of seen the uh, build-up to this fight, you know, um, it didn't really have that much of a hint of seriousness. 
in this particular fight. Uh, of course, we'll talk about why most of that, why it was the case or the primary reason for that. Uh, but here it was that you had the weigh-in, you had the, of course, the customary pose face-to-face between, you know, two guys facing each other. And for those that kind of like seen the pictures of the highlights of that, you saw Tyson Fury in a picture with Francisco Pinetta with Pinetta taking the picture. Yes, that means that you had a guy about to be in a heavyweight fight take a selfie with his opponent. Never seen that happen ever in boxing. But, I mean, look at Tyson Fury's last fight where he fought Seth Safari, and in the uh, weigh-in, he basically lifted him up, up to his height level. He basically carried him in his two arms, and then in the fight, uh, he <laughs> just kissed Seth Safari. Uh, so, and you saw how bad of an exhibition that was when you have a big brawl going on in the arena while the fight is happening and Tyson Fury stopping to look at what's happening there in the Manchester arena. So here against Francisco Pianetta, you have somebody there that uh, you have taken selfies with him like he's a super-duper star and, and a icon in the sport of boxing. Uh, so that should have uh, signaled what you were looking at or what was going into uh, happening here in this uh, particular uh, matchup. So um, so the thing is, is that um, what we saw here with, with Tyson Fury is I mean, he kind of like looked a little bit better in this particular matchup that than he did against Sefer Safari as far as like his overall conditioning is concerned, um, uh, how he was able to move around in the ring, how he was able to uh, throw his jab, pump his jab, uh, among other things. And so um, can kind of give him credit for that, that he was able to progress to the point to where he is able to, you know, switch switch up styles, go from orthodox to southpaw, um, you know, move around, uh, do a couple of the shoulder rolls, uh, block, and, you know, get Pinetta to the ropes and uh, try to work, work on him in the ropes. Uh, but, you know, other than that, you really didn't see that much of an effort coming from uh, Francisco Pianetta to um, to say that he uh, was a serious threat to defeat Tyson Fury. Um, so right then and there, uh, he had 10 rounds. Uh, you just saw 10 rounds of Tyson Fury just, you know, showing how tall he was and pumping the jab and not really – having Francisco Pinetta get real close to him. And when he did, 
Uh, he was able to get a couple of punches in, but nothing to really affect Tyson Fury. And so you had a 10-round decision uh, by, you know, um, the uh, referee um, to give him a 100 to 90 points win, basically a 10-round shutout for Tyson Fury to stay undefeated, go to 27 and Oh, and that, you know, kind of leads into the talk of the week or whatever it is, in that after the fight, you had the WBC heavyweight champion of the world, Deontay Wilder, step in the ring for Tyson Fury. He was in attendance. Watching this fight uh, against with uh, Tyson Fury and Francisco Pinguetta, of course, you had talk between Frank Warren and Shelly Finkel, who is the manager of Deontay Wilder, and that um, he will be, it seems, facing the uh, facing Deontay Wilder in the future. Um, but we'll we'll get into that here a little bit more, but just wanted to add in the caller, area code 202. What's going on with you? Hey, what's going on? It's World Rank. Just checking in. I haven't called in in a while. Just checking on this great show you have on. So uh, just here. Hey, greetings there, World Rank. Long time, long time. Uh, just uh, you know, getting getting started into the uh, main topic, and that is the, of course, the co-feature bout uh, that was at Windsor Park between Tyson Fury and Francisco Pineda. And one of the short things that I was saying in reference to the summary of this fight was that that actual fight seemed like another quote-unquote exhibition fight. Uh, between those two, you know, given what was happening in the weigh-in and, you know, given how both of those fighters handled themselves during the fight. Uh, so so what, what did you uh, see out of this particular matchup? Before you said the word exhibition, that's exactly what came into my mind. Um, you know, and what's odd is you telling me in these last two fights that Tyson Fury had uh, – the Piana fight in the uh, uh, I can't even remember the guy's name, but the other the cruiserweight Shepard guy, Safari. You, yeah, Safari. You telling me uh, that you couldn't get Shannon Briggs for one of those fights? I know, I know. Our last time I uh, we talked about, I talked about this topic on here. Uh, we mentioned Shannon Briggs, but you telling me that you want two tune-ups and Shannon? Neither one of them has ever been as good as Shannon Briggs. You telling me uh, that you, that Shannon Briggs wouldn't have been a suitable opponent? Uh, I, I think that's, you know, I, I I just think that's crazy. Um, even Shannon Briggs now at 45 will probably have beat both of those guys. Or I don't know if he's 45, but somewhere in, he's somewhere in that range. It's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, it was nothing to say, man. I mean, Tyson Fury just tried to, you know, uh, it was an exhibition. He just wanted to get rounds. Uh, I don't know how beneficial this is for him going forward to face Wilder. I don't think these two opponents prepared will go and prepare him for Wilder. So, um, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's it's just um, like I was saying, but you have two guys there in Cephas Safari and Francisco Pineda that you know shouldn't really be in the ring with the Tyson Fury to get Tyson Fury up to the level um, where um, he's you know trying to be at the top level. Um, so I don't understand why they would put him in the ring with a Sefer Seferi or a Francisco Pianeta other than two things. One, in particular with the fight against Sefer Seferi, that he wasn't, you know, nowhere near ready to face any heavyweight, um, pretty much any heavyweight, unless if they were just there just to be there to pick up a check. And number two is, and I think this goes into the long-term or the quote-unquote long-term effect with Tyson Fury returning, is that with him signing with Frank Warren, he really doesn't have that many options at heavyweight that he could fight where it could probably make sense for him on one end and, you know, him to try to build up to anywhere close to the level that he was in 2014 and 2015. Uh, So uh, with that, him facing Francisco Pineda is like a, um, you know, to me, I don't see where where this puts him as far as like his overall status in his current career. Because like I was saying before, I mean, he came into the fight at 250, you know, pretty much around 254 pounds or so, um, or 258 pounds. So, yeah, that's, a, you know, a little bit lower than 276 pounds, but, you know, it, as far as, like, his optimal uh, fighting shape, he was, like, around 250, you know, about 245 to 250 pounds. Uh, so him being there at 258, that kind of, like, gets him closer to that. But fighting a guy at the level of Francisco Pineda, who recently lost to a guy that was, you know, only like 11-0 over in Germany, says that his level of competition was nowhere near who Tyson Fury is supposed to be facing at this particular point. And so with him getting that win and then now, now talking about him fighting Deontay Wilder in the future, I don't see how he would be in a state or in a status to fight someone like Deontay Wilder, who's been a lot more active and who has fought a little bit better level of competition than Tyson Fury has in his two fights back. Yeah, so to the point that you made about um, not getting – uh, Frank Warren not having the options. Of course, if you look at the top ten, it would probably be difficult. I do agree it would be difficult to probably get somebody from that uh, elk to, to face Tyson Fury. But if you look below the top ten, anywhere from, from 10 to 50, a top 50 guy, 10 to 50, I, I think they could have came up with a better opponent. Now, Piana, uh, Pianta or um, Tyson Fury... Yeah, Pineda or uh, Safiri, those guys, it's reasonable uh, to get those fights, you know, from c- coming back. I get it. You, you need some type of tune-up. But the level from uh, the guy he fought this week 
to Wilder is just the level between the two is just so so drastic. I don't know how you can get prepared for an arguably top two guy in a division from somebody who's not even maybe top 50. I just – and you coming off the layoff and you're just trying to get yourself right. I don't know what purpose uh, these two fights – let me not say that. I think Frank Warren didn't necessarily have a plan other than the, to get uh, Tyson Fury back to be active. And then once Wilder's situation came up, I think he saw it as a way – uh, he couldn't pass this opportunity up um, because he might think Fury has a chance of beating him, and if he waits any longer, that Wilder fight might not be available. So I think he's um, trying to get something out of his investment for Tyson Fury because um, it's probably not going to be that he, Tyson's going to get um, Joshua anytime soon, and you know mm-hmm. everybody's trying to make the Joshua Wilder fight, so it would make sense for him to try to grab Wilder if he could. So I think for Frank Warren, it was a business decision that maybe he didn't see maybe three months ago. He saw that as an opportunity uh, pretty quickly, and he scooped it up, unlike Eddie Hearn. Well, yeah, I think he, um, Frank Warren, did kind of see this as an open opportunity to try to at least have some type of fight that would be, quote-unquote, big in magnitude, um, according to some, because, you know, we, we've talked about over and over the fallout between the negotiations of uh, Deontay Wilder's camp and uh, Anthony Joshua's camp. So who who else but the, uh, quote-unquote, uh, rival uh, for Eddie Hearn and Matchroom Boxing to try to get uh, Deontay Wilder in a fight than uh, Frank Warren and Queensberry promotion. And so with this, um, I, I agree. He is, you know, trying to take advantage or get it while the iron is, strike it while the iron is hot, where, you know, in the future, he might not be able to get something like that because, well, you know, whether Deontay Wilder wants it or not, April 13, 2019 is there at Wembley Stadium for him to take this fight against Anthony Joshua uh, for all the bills. Uh, so um, this could be a way for, you know, Tyson Fury and Frank Warren to kind of like crash that party, uh, crash that potential uh, undisputed heavyweight championship fight uh, between those two. So they're able to uh, get that done and make it happen. Then um, that, that would be, kind of like a semi-win for Frank Warren because if you really think about it, um, other than uh, his guy Billy Joe Saunders, well, who else does he have other than him and Tyson Fury? You really don't have much that you could build off of uh, at this point. Uh, You have a lot of young guys that are out there, um, but, you know, Frank Warren hasn't put those guys in a position uh, to uh, be in big fights. Uh, as of yet, um, you have Anthony Yard that's out there. You know, um, you know, you also have Joe Joyce, uh, but you know, either those guys are too young in the game, or he's not, you know, necessarily ready to put them in the uh, spotlight all too uh, quickly. So this is basically what he has uh, right now. So uh, why not 
you know, put him out there for it. Yeah, um, I think when he got Tyson Fury, it was, you know, he's a big name and he could be a main event, but I didn't think he had an avenue to get Tyson back to the top. And now he sees this wilder fight um, because Eddie Hearn dropped the ball uh, to be able to get Tyson a big fight and kind of get his get, get uh, some type of return on investment because even if he loses to Wilder, Fury's in a big fight. And I don't know if Wilder wasn't available, what options Fury would have had to get a big fight. Uh, most of the top of the division is either with Hearn or tied up in some other way. So um, it's a good move for Frank Warren because he's able to get some type of uh, invest, some type of, uh, I guess, investment back on, uh, on Tyson Fury. So, right. Uh, so uh, right now, I got another caller on the line. Area code three two one. Tell us your name. Where you calling from? Hey, what's up, fellas? What's up, panel? It's Jay Cotto. How's everybody going, man? All right, we good, there, up, brother sir? Jay. We good. What's good, man? How's everybody? All right. Yeah, we good, man. We good, good. Just, uh, listen, uh, all right, listen. I, I, I just want to make a quick statement, JR. It's only going to take about maybe a minute. Can I do that right quick? All right, go in real fast if you can. Yeah, real fast, real fast. All right, this is to all the, all the Fury fanatics that were talking shit. Now, I am not a Deontay Wilder fan, but I'm just talking on the, on the, for the face of boxing. All you guys that were out there talking the shit that you wanted to fight, yeah, the fight is going on. And that, why are you backtracking now and saying that the man needs about fucking 50 more fights and, and, and needs to see Wilder in 2019? <laughs> Tyson Fury is ready now, goddammit. And I'm not even a Tyson Fury fan. But this fight has to go on now. You know why I hate the hypocrisy? Because motherfuckers are the same guys that were saying, Tyson Fury, uh, uh, Wilder's chicken. You know what I'm saying? If, if that fight was to ever produce it, it's produced. What now? Give, give Wilder his fucking due. Let the man fight a name like, like, like Fury. You guys got to stop backtracking on your fighters. Your, your guys ain't real fight fans. Give Fury his fucking due. The man's a former undisputed champion. He fucked up on his own. He didn't lose to no one. So you got to give the man his props, kid. Two and a half years, he came back and showed us two possibilities of how you could win a fight. A TKO stoppage and a fucking decision. What more do you want? Just because he didn't knock the guy out doesn't mean that he fucking lost anything. That's the same thing that happened to Keith Thurman. Oh, he's, he's no longer one time. That, this happens in boxing. Mike Tyson didn't knock everybody out. Ernie Shavers didn't knock everybody out. Hard hitters usually don't knock everybody out. This is why Tyson Fury has a 70% chance of winning this fight because he, he, can, he can win this fight two ways, Fury fans. Have faith in your fucking man, for Christ's sake. At least the Wilder <laughs> fans have, have more audacity and more fucking sense to, have, to stay behind their fighter. That's all I wanted to say. Well, that's because they suffer from WDS. But I mean, you could carry on though. You you know, and 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 you know, and, and I'm just saying, man. You know, this is why the fans have to understand each other here. The same thing with the Joshua situation. You guys ain't mad at the fighters. You guys are really mad at at the at the selections, and you and you're mad at the fucking pr- promoters because at the end of the day, they're gonna make the fucking fight. They're gonna make the fucking fight. They nobody thought that this Fury fight was gonna come come up, come about. And look look where it is now. And and I'm I'm glad that Deontay Wilder actually went over. Now as an American fight fan, I can actually say our American heavyweight champion answered the call. 
like he was a fucking poster dude, like, like the rest of the great state. So he went over there. So what I'm saying here is that Deontay Wilder is doing very well for doing this. Give the man his, his credit. Let him fight. You know what I'm saying? And, and Fury, fight. Wilder, take the fight. I don't want to hear from any of you two fucking big behemoths. I don't want to hear nothing about, oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, it's not looking good or something fucked up in the negotiations. You said it on TV. You said it the day after that, that it's already signed. Let's fucking get it. Because, like I said, the fight fans are going to go up against each other over YouTube fucks, right? And, and it, it, it's, it's not going to be fair. It's not going to be fair. You two guys should just basically get the shit on and understand, understand, fight fans, that, that if your arguments are going to be against each other, you know, it's going to have to, you guys are going to have to argue with, uh, about the promoters that, that, that's handling Wilder. You feel me? Because Wilder loved it. If you looked at yesterday, Wilder loved being in England. He liked it over there. And, oh, and by the way, that Billy Joe Saunders shit is squashed. He knows that it was shenanigans. It should, the only one that should have anything to say about this and be upset about it is Deontay Wilder. So for the sake of boxing, let's just let this shit go. You know what I'm saying? They made up. It's over with. But back, but back to Fury and Wilder, this fight has to produce. It's going to produce. It's going to be awesome. You know what I mean? I, I just, like I said, just fight fans. Don't go up against each other over this shit. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it, it's really the promoters that are fucking up, not these two fighters. The, you know, Wilder has shown me that he wants to fight. Joshua showed me that he wants to fight. Wilder has shown me, I mean, uh, Fury has shown me he wants to fight. So it's on. You know what I'm saying? It's on. All you Fury fans, stop fucking backtracking, man. It's not right for the man, bro. It's not right for your fighter, man. You shouldn't backtrack like that. He don't need to. He don't need no fucking eight more fights and and, and, and fucking. You know what I'm saying? Fight 2019. No, he don't. He don't need that shit. You know how I many? Look, there are a couple of fights. All right, a couple of fighters that came back from retirement and beat fucking champions, and they were inactive with even longer numbers. Sugar Ray Leonard for one against Hagler. And there are many others. So, so you Fury fans, stop doing that, man. Stick behind your man, man. Oh, you have that uh, point right there by uh, Jay Carter with referencing the potential fight between uh, Fury and Deontay Wilder. Um, I mean, I've had my take on it, and I'm like this. I'm like, yeah, you do have this fight, but to me, I, I just don't see it being... Uh, overall successful fighters, a lot of uh, fans are saying that it must be. Uh, yes, you do have Tyson Fury. Yes, he is undefeated. Yes, Deontay Wilder is undefeated. But, you know, as far as like overall appeal is concerned, you have to have uh, something to where you have outside influences uh, be interested in this fight for it to be as successful as they, you know, are trying to make it. Um, you know, the early announcement is that it's going to be on Showtime pay-per-view. And, you know, for for those that have followed uh, the pay-per-view model, that will be the first, uh, you know, Showtime or pay-per-view on Showtime uh, for years uh, that doesn't involve the name Floyd Mayweather Jr., uh, so that's going to be interesting in itself uh, there because, you know, the last time that the Showtime pay-per-view didn't really involve Floyd Mayweather Jr., if I'm not mistaken, I don't think that even reached 350,000 pay-per-view buys. So, you know, having a, a, a guy like 
uh, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, while they do have, you know, the quote-unquote gifts of gab or whatever it is, they don't necessarily have the crossover appeal that the likes of a Floyd Mayweather or Mike Tyson or, you know, Oscar De La Hoya or Canelo Alvarez would have uh, to produce a successful uh, pay-per-view event. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that's something there that I kind of like see, uh, out of, out of, uh, this, um, world rank, you got something to say on that before I add in another caller? Yeah. Um, your point, J. Cole's point on, uh, blaming the promoters. I, I do kind of agree with, and I do want to give Frank Warren credit because the way he handled Wilder this time, sending him over and actually let him get in the ring and talk, which son Eddie Hearn didn't, wasn't willing to do uh, after Joshua fought, give Frank Warren full credit. Um, I'm fully convinced that Hearn uh, had a conversation with Joshua about uh, promising Joshua some type of financial gain before really putting him in a big fight making sure that he's taken care of for his future before facing Wilder. I think that's why that fight didn't make and it, and it the, Frank, the fact that Frank Warren put this fight between Fury and Wilder together so quickly reinforces my opinion that uh, Hearn did not want the fight with Wilder this year um, because Frank Warren did a marvelous job bringing, like I said, bringing Wilder over, allowing him to get in the ring, and being mindful or being smart enough to kind of guide this fight to happen. Putting Wilder in there, having him have his time in the ring with Fury, and Fury not being like, you know, you invading my space, you invading my time, understanding that having Wilder there will make it a big fight. So I give Frank Warren credit for putting this together, uh, doing it the way Hearn should have done it uh, to, make it a, to make it a big fight. In terms of the pay-per-view numbers, uh, I don't know. I don't necessarily want to get into that per se. Uh, I think the United States TV will be on their side because it's a heavyweight title fight. So U.S., you know, they love their heavyweights and Wilder can punch. So I think there will be some interest in that, but I don't know how well would it do. Oh, all right. Now, I'm going to add in another caller here that, you know, probably was fairly pleased with what World Rank said, but I haven't put in my response yet. Um, it is coming from the 646. Tell us your name and where you're calling from. Oh, no. How you doing, guys? You already know who it is, man. You already know yep. who it is. It's your boy, Matt. Everybody knows who it is. You already know who it is, man. I it's told the you. the biggest Deontay Wilder you. fan in the planet. <laughs> I the guy told you. suffers the most from <laughs> DWS. <laughs> it's Matt, everybody's favorite Deontay Wilder fan. <laughs> Matt, what's going on? I told you, man. And make no mistake about it, the fact 
that Wild Dog versus Fury got done so quick lets you know what type of time Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua was on. They never wanted to fight. Fury wanted to fight, and here we have the fight that the world is going to love to see. Oh, shit. It is time. It is time. It is time for a real heavyweight fight that's going to have some real action and some real like Carlos Tackham. There's going to be no Giuseppe breaking people up as soon as you try to get on the inside like Joseph Parker. You are going to see a real heavyweight fight. You're going to see the classic boxer mover versus the classic puncher. And it is going to be explosive, my friend, if you will. And I cannot wait. I cannot. Yes. Yes. Give me more. about this is is that 
we we all know that Tyson Fury is not at the status that in in 2018 that he was in 2015 and 2014. So for people to kind of say that he would be favored in a match against Deontay Wilder right now, I don't necessarily buy that. They just told, buy that because that's what I've it told, uh, came up as. I've told Matt this before when he, you know, gloated about saying that Deontay Wilder would be facing Tyson no, Fury. That I favored and still favor Deontay Wilder to defeat Tyson Fury right now. Because uh-huh. you have to understand that Tyson Fury had lost over 115 pounds to get to the point where he is right now. And you still have long-term effects of what he's done to his body. Now, there's one call on here that disputes that he did what he did. But that's for, you know, another thing, or unless if you follow me on Facebook, then you will get that whole explanation by that caller. Or he may sound on it a little bit later on because there is going to be another discussion after the show. But, hey, James. Yo. I just, I just wanted to um, cut in for a quick second when you were talking about favorites and stuff. So earlier this week, I was looking on the internet and I was hearing. Um, I was making a. You know, I um, I do place. You know, gambling is legal now, so I do place a couple of bets. So early in the week, uh, before I had heard uh, the fight was announced, I was looking at the odds, and like you guys said, the fight is pretty much an even fight. And before the before Saturday's fight, I think it was Thursday or Friday, I put money down on Wilder to beat Fury. Um, because the odds were basically even, and I didn't feel, and I still don't feel, that uh, that should be the right odds. I think Wilder should be heavily favored. Now, I don't want to say heavily favored, but he should be better than, than even money uh, for this fight. So I took I took the money uh, and put on Wilder even before the fight did announce, just because the odds were so good, because just in case the fight did get made, I'm assuming that Wilder would become the favorite. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I wonder where, you know, once the fight gets actually announced and you have a quote-unquote date and a quote-unquote venue, um, what would happen with those odds um, to see if they would favor Tyson Fury or if they would, you know, favor Deontay Wilder once you know, those odds actually become public or more of the uh, sports books uh, put that fight, you know, on there for people to place bets on. Uh, But, you know, like I was saying, I mean, right now I just favor um, Deontay Wilder because, I mean, I feel that, you know, he's more into a fighting shape and has been more active over the course of the past, of course, the past few years. But, you know, given the short improvement of competition that Deontay Wilder has faced in comparison to Tyson Fury, that has me 
putting Wilder as a favorite over Tyson Fury at this current juncture. Um, for those that are, you know, listening in on Blog Talk Radio right now, live, you got about uh, ten minutes left on the live show. If you want to jump in and give you a take on boxing, you can call in at three four seven two three seven five five three nine. That's three four seven two three seven five five three nine. Press one key to get on to and you'll be able to talk live on the show. Now, another thing that you know, World Rank brought up um, reference to this thing with. Uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Um, he said that, you know, this fight kind of is like, quote-unquote, made um, in quick time and kind of like says that, you know, Eddie Hearn didn't necessarily want the Anthony Joshua Deontay Wilder fight mm-hmm. that happened this year. Now, Preach. my thing on that is both well- didn't want this fight to happen this year. Both sides didn't. And I'm going to tell you why. When you had that opportunity between February and May to make that fight happen, that was the only open time where you had both guys being free to actually make the fight. And you had, of course, one person will disagree with this, but you had that time where Eddie Hearn and Matthew Boxing sent off multiple offers to Deontay Wilder to have him accept that particular fight. Now, y'all know basic rules with these boxing organizations, and the way that you can not fight for mandatory is either you pay a step-aside fee or you get a special permit. What Joshua and Herm were trying to do is get a special permit. And in order to do that, they would have had to face another world champion. There was only one left, Deontay Wilder. So, hey, send an offer to Deontay Wilder, see if they accept, see if they sign a contract. They sign a contract, they get the special permit. They send an offer, first offer, was declined. They sent a second offer, was declined. They sent a third offer, was accepted. They sent a contract, wasn't signed. Therefore, if they're not being signed, that's why they had to face Alexander Povekin, uh for that WBA mandatory. So that kind of like delayed the fight for happening this year. So they said, you know what? Okay, you don't want to face this now? That's fine. Let me honor the WBA mandatory this year, and then I'll be free next year, in April 13, 2019, and you'll be—I'll be right there waiting for you, and you'll go ahead and sign. Now let's see. They're saying let's see if Deontay Wilder finds the pen and signs the contract. <laughs> so that is basically what you have now. Propaganda. And now here's that's not no, that's not propaganda, and I'm gonna tell you just fucking facts. <laughs> on top of on top of what's going to happen on September 22nd, when Anthony Joshua faces Alexander Povekin, Povekin is not only the WBA mandatory, but he's also the WBO 
mandatory. And on top of that, the WBO made the decision to elevate Anthony Joshua to be the WBO super champion. So not only will he be coming into this fight as a WBA super champ, but the WBO super champ. And with that, after he gets through that fight with Alexander Pozekin, he doesn't have to defend against another mandatory for 18 months. So that clears the way for him to fight for another world championship. So there's no basic ways out of that. He doesn't have to pay any set-aside fees. He doesn't necessarily have to worry about pressing to get a fight done with Deontay Wilder because he won't have to worry about a mandatory that, you know, he usually honors, unlike another person. But that's neither here nor there. So, <laughs> so what you have is come oh, April 13th, 2019, Will we see the 10-year pro, the WBC heavyweight champion, step up and fight Anthony Joshua, or will he fight another voluntary or try to find a way to fight Dominic Brazil, who was named his mandatory after facing Eric Molina, who is nowhere near the top five in the WBC rankings? But that's what I pretty much had to say about that. We've got five minutes left in the live session of the show. So in that five-minute live session, I want to get some closing uh, points from each of you on this topic. I'm going to start with Jay Carlo first. Uh, well, basically, um, like I said, you know, my, my the only thing I don't like about this uh, – this fight is is just the Fury fans who are backtracking, you know, um, after all the shit talking. You know, oh, yeah, when, when, when Fury and Wilder's made, Fury's going to fuck Wilder up and da, da, da. And now that it's made, you know, they're talking about, you know, oh, he needs five more fights and they should fight 2019. No, fuck that. Get it now. It's made now. You know what I'm saying? Don't deprive the man of, of Fury's name. Fury, if, any, if, if anybody had any problems, you know what I'm saying, with this fight, I think that Fury should be the one that should be backtracking, but he's not. So, you know, saying that Fury's not ready and stuff like that, and, and this goes out to the fucking crazy fans that were talking shit, you know what I'm saying, the Fury fans that were talking mad shit, that now that the fight's produced, it's on. So back your fucking man up. Don't, don't, don't fucking, you know, just do that. And at the same time, I just feel, I just feel that, that Wilder, Wilder, I mean, um, Fury has a chance against Wilder, man, a big chance. Like I said, he has two ways he can win this as to Wilder just has one. Wilder just has that knockout. He's not going to outpoint Fury, but Fury can either knock him out or can either outpoint him. You know what I'm saying? Now, he doesn't have to knock him out unconscious, but he's able to get a stoppage. He has those tools. So the Fury fans that are doubting Fury need to show the fuck out and understand that this man was a former, you know, this man was a former... This man was a former undisputed heavyweight champion, and nobody beat him. He lost his titles over his own fucking wrongdoings. You know what I mean? So I think this is going to be a good fight. You know what I'm saying? Let's get it. And if Deontay Wilder wins, 
No, nobody can take anything away from him. You have to, you have to give him his credit. You can't be biased here. You have to give Deontay Wilder his credit because he done fought. You know, Fury came in and he got two bodies under under his you know under under his belt right now. You know what I'm saying? And he showed us, he showed us two ways on how to win a fucking boxing match. The only ways, either TKO stoppage or, or, or mm. fucking decision. So he can he can do that. Either one to Wilder. You know what I'm saying? And Wilder, Wilder has to get. A bit more fucking, like, he can't overcommit like he usually does, and he's going to have to watch his fucking footwork and not be so fucking sloppy because Tyson Fury's going to box. He's not going in there like King Kong Otis to match wits. He's going to box. And the real test here is for fucking Wilder. So Wilder better start, instead of uh, nitpicking and pot-shotting those fucking uh, target mitts, he needs to start working off the jab with some combos because Tyson Fury is much more busier in that ring since he's a boxer. Let's, let's understand this. All right. While this, while this is in for some shit here. Yeah. The fight's made. Everybody has a right to be happy. No doubt. But now let's look at the real thing here. That's going the fuck on here. You know what I'm saying? Now the question here is, should we call Wilder a fucking overhyped fighter? If Tyson Fury beats him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? We can question him. But we shouldn't call him that. You know what I'm saying? Simply because the man held on the title, whether we like it or not, for a, for a, for a long bit. You know, um, he has more voluntaries than than mandatories, but it's all good. You know what I'm saying? The man still fought, and and the myth with the with the you know Fury might lose because of his inactivity. Like I said, I just I just I just gave you one prime example of on how fighters you know, had a longer inactivity, came back and beat guys that were actually supreme on top of their game. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know, these are all triangle theories that, you know, we can actually agree on, but they wouldn't actually be true. You know what I mean? Um, I, 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 just wish, I just wish that these two guys, I hope, this, I hope this fight makes it to them touching gloves, kid, because I will be very pissed off if by any side, anyone, Wilder or Fury, if this fight is not produced and it's stopped by any side, bro, I'm telling you, bro, I am never going to watch any of them ever again. We got you. All right, well, make what you got. So it's so good to have Jake Cotto and Matt on the line at the same time because I always get those two confused and I always have an argument with the other one thinking that the other one said it. So it's good to have <laughs> both of them on the line, you know, at the same time. So because I always get them confused. But it's good to have him on the same on the line at the same time. I disagree with everything he uh, Jay Cotto just said. Um, I do not believe Wilder will get full credit for the Fury win because it's so difficult to move but, up. But how are you? Hold on, hold on, hold on. How are you disagreeing with me if I just simply said that 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 they should give him credit? I never said they shouldn't. So there's nothing to disagree with, brother. No, I'm, I'm disagreeing because I don't think they will give him credit. And no, no, I said, I said they have to give him credit. So that's not really something that to really disagree on, really, or agree on. You know what I'm saying? People are going to have to. They're going to have to give Wilder credit. And I don't even like Wilder like that, but word up, bro. If motherfuckers don't give Wilder credit, son, I'm, I'm, I'm going to call motherfuckers out. I'm sorry. Go ahead, brother. So in that theory, you're going to have to call motherfuckers out because there's, there's going to be people who say Fury was not – the level of opposition that he came back with were not good enough to get him in with Wilder. And if he mm-hmm. loses, hey. there's, 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 there's guarantee. And, 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 
and to be honest, they they might have a, a valid um, reason because if you look at his last two opponents, there's nothing in those two opponents that will get him ready for Wilder. So Fury has to show up because if he don't, Wilder don't won't get any credit. Uh, to the effect of uh, someone said um, that if um, Wilder gets knocked out, uh, there will be people uh, that might say that he's over. No, they shouldn't say that he's overrated. There will be people on that end as well that will say if Wilder loses and gets knocked out, he will be overhyped. It's just that's just the nature of the game. I don't think, to me personally, I don't think Wilder will get any credit for beating anyone other than Joshua. That's just, that's just me. I don't think there's anyone. There's going to be people out here that's going to make excuses. When Fury gets knocked out, that he wasn't ready for Wilder, he should have never fought Wilder. Blase, blase. Um, yeah, that's 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 pretty much what I got. I just don't think people will give credit either way uh, for the fight. I don't think it's going to be that competitive. I don't think Fury has a chance to knock Wilder out. I think he has a a chance to do what he did with Klitschko and kind of stink it out. That's his only opportunity to me. I think either he does that and able to. To pull out a decision when he gets knocked out. I don't think he not he I don't think he has a chance to knock Wilder out. Okay, and that's a uh, world rank uh, right there, and he did bring up the uh, key point in reference to uh, who gets credit and who doesn't. And so, as a follow up, you have Matt, and I know what Matt is going to <laughs> say about that. <laughs> let me let me let me tell you something, brother. No matter what, what, yeah, I'm watching SummerSlam right now. No matter what Deontay Wilder does, he will never, ever get credit from boxing fans. That is just the way it is. And to me, if Deontay Wilder is looking for validation from boxing fans, he needs to stop because he will never get validation from boxing fans because people like you, Jr. People like you will always find a way to take credit from this man. You never even thought the Fury fight was going to get made, JR. I remember having these arguments constantly. You never even thought the Fury was going to get made. Oh, it's not going to happen. Never going to happen. Oh, it's just pie in the sky. Now that the fight is made, I already see people saying what Jay Cotto said. Oh, Fury's not ready. Oh, Fury's not ready. Let me tell you something about Fury being ready. It don't matter what year Tyson Fury faces Deontay Wilder. The result is always going to be the same. Deontay Wilder is going to fold Tyson Fury like yesterday's laundry. And you can quote me on that. This fight ain't going the distance, baby. It's not going the distance. So if I was you, I wouldn't get up. I wouldn't go to the bathroom. I wouldn't do anything because it's going to be a short, quick night. Deontay Wilder is going to slaughter Tyson Fury. And there will be those that say that Tyson Fury wasn't ready because of the results. And let me be the first to tell those people that you don't know shit about boxing. Because if you look at what Tyson Fury does well, Deontay Wilder is the worst matchup possible for him. Tyson Fury likes to be awkward and get guys not to throw punches and, 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 to, and to trick them. He only threw 370 punches versus Vladimir Klitschko. Total. 370 <laughs> punches in a 12-round fight, and he was still able to win. 
because Klitschko threw like 200 and something punches. You think Deontay Wilder over a 12-round fight is only going to throw 200 and something punches versus Tyson Fury, especially if he feels like he's down in the cards? You know what he's going to do? He's going to start pumping that plastic jab at that, that rubber band jab. Bow, bow. And he is going to come with the biggest one-two combination that Tyson Fury has ever felt in his damn life. Okay? Deontay Wilder is coming for the Lineal Heavyweight Championship. He's going to get the Lineal Heavyweight Championship. And you were talking about him fighting maybe Anthony Joshua April. That's not going to happen, okay? Because one side doesn't want to fight. You only got a couple minutes left, so I'm not going to get into which side doesn't want to fight. But I'm telling you right now, one side doesn't want that fight. I think Deontay Wilder is going to fight Tyson Fury, and then he is going to fight the winner of the fight that I believe is going to happen. Dominic Brazil versus Dillian White in November. He's going to fight that winner, and then, possibly in the fall of 2019, he is going to fight Anthony Joshua, and he is going to become the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And it is going to be glorious. I want you to play this tape back. I want you to play back every live you've ever done. I want you to play back every video I've ever made. I want you to play back every time you and your minions have shouted me down. Because I ain't been wrong yet, brother. And I'm telling you right now, Deontay Wilder is going to prove without a shadow of a doubt that he is the best heavyweight of his era. And he is going to send Tyson Fury into retirement. He's going to put Dillian White in the hospital. And he is going to send Anthony Joshua back to drug dealing. And you heard it here first. And that's all I have to say about that. But one more thing before I go, JR. One more thing before I go. Just one more thing. That is the crowd's reaction to what <laughs> just said. Oh my god. Uh, it uh it is stuff. this Good formally stuff. is first off, this formally is the overtime portion of the show uh here oh. that will be available on uh Blog Talk Radio, uh Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh and Spotify uh later Wait, on. Wait, you're on iTunes uh, now, uh yeah yeah it's available uh, through oh, iTunes uh, right now so if you look oh, up man. the uh, boxing source radio show it. you should be able to uh, find it on iTunes. Um now about. what brother Matt has said um he said that you know Deontay Wilder was always better than Tyson Fury. Now um, my Rebuttal to that is if he was always better than Tyson Fury, then why didn't he step up to fight Tyson Fury in 2014 when that an original interest of Tyson Fury to fight Deontay Wilder kind of came about? Um, they never followed up on it. There was no you know second guessing. There was no any you know nothing as far as like a consideration for making that fight take place. Um, 
where it could have, you know, elevated both of those guys' careers at that particular point to where, you know, even if Deontay Wilder eventually became world champion, at least he would have had somebody in his record that would have been, you know, some type of validation before challenging for a world heavyweight championship, you know, instead of, you know, having a point to where he only faced guys that weren't necessarily in the uh, top uh, 20 or so, you know, before, you know, fighting for the world heavyweight championship. Um, so, you know, that, that has been over the course of, you know, this talk with uh, Deontay Wilder, that has been my big, biggest criticism of him is that he never had that chance to basically step up and fight the guys that were among the top ten. There, and, and there wasn't really anything about, you know, guys being, quote-unquote, afraid of them when guys were calling them out. So that was my biggest criticism about, about him and that. Now, in reference to his current fight with Tyson Fury, like I said before, I have Deontay Wilder's favorite. And you know why I have Deontay Wilder's favorite. If Wilder and Fury were both active, I would have favored Tyson Fury in his fight against Deontay Wilder. I would. And the thing about it is that, and 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 here's and here's here's major this here's a major reason why I do that. I favor Tyson Fury over Deontay Wilder. Similarly. Why I favor Anthony Joshua over Deontay Wilder is because Wilder has a lot more success against guys that are much smaller than he is than those that are closer to, at, or above his height. When he has a length advantage and a reach advantage, he uses that to his, you know, to his fullest potential. And you really saw that at its finest against Luis Ortiz, particularly in those first few rounds, because all of those rounds were basically Luis Ortiz trying to get to Deontay Wilder, and Deontay Wilder having a, you know, a sense to where he kind of like kept his half of his body away from Luis Ortiz so that Luis Ortiz really couldn't get to most of his body. Here, against the likes of the Tyson Fury, against the likes of a you know, Anthony Joshua, you know, against oh. someone like a Latimer Klitschko if he was ever if he if he fought him. He doesn't have those type of advantages, so he needs something else in order to be effective against those guys. And with Tyson Fury being as elusive as he is, and with Anthony Joshua being the counterpuncher that he is, that makes them to me favored over Deontay Wilder. But here with Tyson Fury, I don't see him being as active, as fluent in the ring, and as mobile as he was in 2014 and 2015. That's why right now I have Deontay Wilder over Tyson Fury if they fight this year. So that's what I have on that. Um, Hey, JR, can I ask you a question about um, the Wilder Fury pay-per-view? Do you think... If Anthony Joshua, by some chance, loses to Alexander Povetkin in September, do you think that is going to hurt the pay-per-view numbers for Wilder versus Fury? Not on the world scale, no. In an American scale, yes, probably, but not on the world scale. Because 
the thing about it is with with Anthony Joshua, and I'm sure that you heard what was said in the Facebook Live that I had earlier today, that Mm -hmm. him losing doesn't really affect him personally. So he's like, you know what? I could lose, you know, basically at any point in my career. I mean, I kind of see that. You know, I'm still a guy that's still learning, that's still in the process of trying to improve myself as a fighter. So as so as such, there may be a time where I'm going to trip up and lose. It won't be against Deontay Wilder, but there's a time that he's going to be able to trip up and lose. Now, the thing about that is, is that you, you have you have that whole moniker of him losing doesn't really take away from the overall allure that he has because he's going to have supporters behind him at the UK, no matter of fact. Well, on the flip side, if Deontay Wilder loses before facing Anthony Joshua, a lot it's of build-up and, and things like that behind Deontay Wilder, a lot of the investments that go beyond Deontay that go to Deontay Wilder basically go out the window because they don't see it as successful because right now Deontay Wilder, while undefeated, doesn't really put in the he's not marketing in the way to where either everybody supports him or everybody's against him. That's why the single Floyd Mayweather in his own work because they push him as somebody that everybody could root against. With Deontay Wilder, you really can't figure out what the line is as far as like what he's going to do or who he's going to be. Is he going to be everybody? He's going to be somebody that everybody likes, or is it going to be somebody that everybody hates? He can't be in between. Unfortunately, in the business aspect of boxing, you got to be on one side or the other. You know, so that's what you got on that. Um, now. You have uh, one, I guess, a few topics that I wanted to talk about in the overtime session. Uh, one of them was uh, the thing with Floyd Mayweather Jr. As he went on social media to announce a fight with his so-called protege of sorts, Devontae Tank Davis. Uh, Tank Davis is the WBA super champion at 130 pounds and the announcement was that there would be a fight in the future with Gavante Tank Davis against Abner Mares. Yes, Abner Mares who is at 126 pounds and you know notably had two losses to the uh, champion there at featherweight, Leo Santa Cruz. Um, so that is the next fight that seems to be playing for Gavante Tank Davis is against Abner Mares. Uh, and I wanted to see if I could get reactions to that. First, I'm going to start with World Rank. It seems like every time I'm on this call or on the show, we discuss Gavante Davis. Uh, but in terms of in terms of uh, Abner Mares, man, and I think He's getting not Abner Mars, but Javante uh, is getting to the point where he's going to create a lot of hate because his opponents aren't what they need to be if you're trying to build a star. Um, 
Terrence Crawford, he's overcome some of that uh, because he unified the division. Javante's not unifying the division. Uh, he's not fighting anyone that's going to challenge him, um, you know, to get his name out there to be a hardcore, somebody that would consider uh, the next star. He's just someone who has a title. And I, and I, and I think very highly of his skill set and what he can do in the, in the division. I do think he's the best 130 guy, but he's not fighting the best around him. So I think there's going to be a lot of hate for this, for this matchup. So, um, it is what it is. Gotcha. Uh, Matt, I'll go with you next. All right, let's see if you still on. 646, check in. Yeah, I'm here. All right. Uh, what's your reaction to the uh, potential uh, matchup between Tank Davis and uh, Abner Morris? Well, I got to disagree with World Ranks. I think that if you are trying to build Tank Davis into a star, this is exactly the kind of fight that you should be making for him. You're putting him up against a Mexican fighter that is popular, and you're putting him up against a Mexican fighter that is not really much of a challenge. He's going to brawl. It's going to be an exciting fight. Abner Mares is going to come forward. You know, he's been trying his best the last couple of years to learn how to box, box, box. But at the end of the day, Abner Mares is a warrior. He's going to come straight ahead. And I think that Javante Davis is going to massacre this guy, man. He's too small. He's too hittable. He's been through too many wars for Javante Davis. And I think that they're possibly going to put this fight on maybe a good – undercard fight, maybe the Wilder Fury pay-per-view. Maybe they're going to put it on uh, another card where it's going to be the main event and have a good card with it. But I think this is going to be uh, another star-making performance for Javante Davis. Whether or not it's going to be competitive, I don't think so. Who thinks that? But it is what it is right now. He should be fighting people at 130. He should be trying to unify the division or move up. Go fight uh, Miguel Burchell. Go 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 fight somebody else. But if you're not going to do that, there's nothing wrong with just staying busy and taking exciting fights that the fans are going to see. You're going to get all the highlights on YouTube and Facebook and stuff like that, and just keep it pushing. But to me, he has a finite amount of time that he's going to have to start collecting titles or collecting decent scouts on his record because the boxing public is very fickle when it comes to these Mayweather, PBC, Al Heyman fighters. The boxing public don't like them that much, you know, for whatever reason. So he's going to have to really step up his competition quick. But I think this fight is no harm, no foul, whatever. Guys, basically uh, something to where it's, uh, you know, like a mid-grade type of thing to where, you know, no, nothing game or, you know, it would be a lot less if, uh, I think Davis messing around really, but it's nothing game uh, by him fighting this fight, winning this fight. You know, <clears throat> um, just trying to see here. Uh, Jay, you got something more on this? Yeah, son. Um, I got Wayne Gretzky. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm saying. Um, I think Javante Davis, 
is is like like Matthew said. I think this is a good fight for him. I mean, especially if he's gonna go into the ranks of maybe fighting a Lomachenko, fucking hopefully. You know what I'm saying in the future, or maybe moving up if he wants to, because he looks like he's getting a little pudgy there. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully he can move the fuck up. But I'm just saying right now with Abner Morris, very good fight, very good test. Um, if he doesn't get by Abner Morris, it doesn't mean that he's fucking whack or or he's a fucking uh you know. Uh, a sellout. It's just uh, it, it, he just has more work to do. You know what I mean? But I think that right now, uh, Tank Davis, uh, he's 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 at a stage that he's ready for for a, a semi big fight like this. You know what I mean? I, I think he's gonna be able to handle himself pretty much. Now, like I said, once again, if he, if he doesn't and he loses, it, it doesn't it doesn't make him a terrible fighter or none. It's just he's young. He's still on the come up. And, you know, he's still young. He's still on the come up. And, um, you know, he needs he needs more work. You know what I mean? That's just the way I see it. Um, but otherwise than that, it's, it's a great fight, man. It's a great, it's a great fight for him. Definitely. Now, I'm crowning this guy the best in the division. So if he can't beat a guy that's moving up, that's not the best in that division, I can't say that he's not, you know, he's not what I thought he was. Because... I believe he's the best at the division, and if he loses to somebody who's coming up from a division below, who's not the best at that division, something's wrong. You know exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's not. You know, it's not. I'm I'm very high on certain guys, so when my expectation is that they're the best in the division, they shouldn't be playing around, right. wasting wasting time with with guys that's not even in the division. I have a I, I have a problem with that, and if you look at his since he won the title. And even before that, he, he hasn't really had anyone on his name on his resume, other than right, uh, right, right. Pedraza, exactly. Pedraza, who's, a, who's about to move up and uh, face Beltran. Other than that, you know, and, and I said this when he, when he won the title, I said he's gonna have a lot of trouble getting opponents because of who he's with. And there's not a lot of there's not a lot of guys at 130 that he can work with other than Seven Farmer, and that should have been his number one priority. I don't know why Abner Mares is being made to come up and fight this guy when when you got Tevin Farmer right there in a fight that can be made and it's beef behind it and it's all types of stuff going that was going on backstage. That should be the fight that you're pushing for. If not that, another unification, but not having somebody move up from a division below and try to sell that as a good fight. I, I can't buy it. Yo world, yo world, let me ask you a question, world. Do you think do you think that that, that uh Javante Davis might have a little bit of fucking fear of of seven of a farmer kid. Nah, I, I I don't truly know the reason why they're not trying to make that fight. I mean, that's the only fight that is a reasonable fight that people will say, you know, that's a decent uh, opponent because I think right. more people will give him will give him credit for beating Farmer than they would for beating Abner Mares at a, from a lower weight. Mm, I, I think the reason why the Farmer fight is a little harder to make <laughs> is because when Davis wanted to fight Farmer, Farmer was telling him, yo, you got to go get a belt first, and then I'll fight you. He kind of pushed Davis off. So now that Davis has a little bit more buzz, all of his fighting you know, on ESPN+, Plus, all of a sudden he's calling out Javante Davis. He, he, he didn't call out Javante Davis when Davis first won in that fight, when Davis was still up and coming. Now that Davis is a proven commodity because he sold out that Barclays Center, you know, when, 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 when he fought in his last fight. He was the one that had the people coming to see him. Now that he's a known commodity, all of a sudden, Tevin Farmer want to fight him. So, my man, 
it's, it's the same thing like Floyd and, and Shane Mosley. When I when I was coming up, you didn't want to fight me. Now I got a little buzz, and you can make a little money off of me. Now you want to fight me? Nah, go kick rocks. I'll go fight somebody else. And to me, commercially, Abner Roberts versus Javante Davis is a bigger fight than Tevin Farmer versus Javante Davis could ever be. Because Tevin Farmer can't sell out his own backyard. So if they're going to fight, maybe they'll fight in D.C., that's going to be Javante Davis's fans. Tevin Farmer's not going to bring no fans. But if he fights Abner Mares, you will have the built-in Mexican fan base that will support their Mexican compadre no matter what. And he'll be able to sell more tickets. He'll get a higher rating. And maybe he'll boost his profile a little bit more. Because... Javante Davis is still trying to recover from the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor pay-per-view debacle. You know, that left a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of boxing fans. So he is still trying to do some rehab to his image. And fighting on a big stage versus Adam Mares, despite whether or not it's an easy fight for him, is going to be a good look for him as as he uh, tries to rebuild his image. I do not disagree with you on the aspect of the image and, and building is a bigger fight. Absolutely. I'm just speaking on the image of the best fighting the best. You can't sell me on beating or even fighting Lomachenko if you're not even willing to fight Burchell or Farmer. That's that's how I see it. But I get the aspect of Mares being a bigger fight. Yeah. <clears throat> From a marketing standpoint, fighting Mares is a bigger fight. Um, you know, but it's just that right now, you know, at the point of Mariz's career, do, does anybody really feel that he has um, <clears throat> much of a chance to defeat Devontae Take Davis? And, you know, a lot of people would say no. Um, in reference to the thing with uh, Tevin Farmer, um, one of the other things that kind of like says to me that they really shouldn't have that fight uh, take place yet is that, well, Tevin Farmer just won the belt. And, you know, for him to, you know, have his fight against uh, Ogawa and then that fight have a very controversial decision that, you know, ended up being overturned and being a no contest. And so he just turns around and, you know, fights Billy Dibbon wins to get that title, you're just going to, you know, sit there and just have the title just to fight Gavante Tank Davis in a unification? Why not just, you know, defend the belt a couple of times, uh, build your little profile up a little bit more, and then, you know, if you and Tank Davis still have the belts in 2019, um, you know, by May 2019 or something like that, then you still have the unification fight right there available for both of y'all. And it'll be, you know, a little bit bigger because both of y'all have a profile holding the world titles uh, for a few more months. So why not let that fight marinate for a little bit and fight other guys so that, you know, once that fight does actually take place, then it'll be a bigger fight because, well, one, we don't necessarily know if that fight in itself will be a main event for a card or if it'll be a co-feature for a card. Uh, so that's the reason why I feel that, you know, Tank versus Farmer uh, should marinate for a little bit and that, you know, with uh, this thing with um, Tank and Abner Mares that potentially could be happening later this year, while it may not look like it's a sensible fight to some, um, it's something to where, you know, Tank will be able to, 
you know, build his profile up a little bit. So that's what we basically get on that. Um, that's, you know, mostly what I wanted to cover on uh, this particular podcast of the show. Um, of course, like on Facebook, I'm going to continue to box and talk uh, live on uh, my page for those that listen and follow me on my uh, personal page. So we're going to be uh, doing that for a little bit. Um, for those that follow the Go Long Media channel on Blog Talk Radio, uh, you have the Cohort Truth on Sports Tuesday night uh, at 8.30 p.m. And um, either, you know, some other host or myself will be on Wednesday night for Take This L. We're going to do a college football preview show Um so be uh, on the lookout for that on the Go Long Media channel. But, of course, uh, the Boxing Source radio show Sundays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Um, not necessarily sure if I will be doing one next Sunday, uh, but I will give an update on that. But like I said, at the end of every show, folks, point of boxing is to hit and not get hit, not to send and trade. On that note, I'm out. Thanks for calling, and y'all have a good evening. Peace. Oh, you didn't do that, man. Come on, man.